Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Gonzaga Nation. I am Christian Pedersen, but you don't care one bit about that. You want to talk to Dan Dickow. He's the man. He's here. It's a Mailbag Wednesday where we ask your questions to Dan. You can submit these to all of the Gonzaga Nation social. You can find Dan on Twitter himself. You can hit us up. We can you have a direct line to talk to one of the greatest minds in Gonzaga history. Dan, a lot of people are writing in uh, with a lot of different questions. So in no particular order, I want to get around to this one that I thought was actually really interesting. You were a transfer to Gonzaga. Having gone through the process, I think things wound up being okay for you. It all worked out fine. You made it to the NBA. Um, but in looking back on it, do you wish you had gone directly to Gonzaga or or was it a necessary part of the process for you? I think for me, it was a necessary part of the process. And I'll be honest, uh, Gonzaga really didn't recruit me much in high school and they did to a certain extent. Dan Fitzgerald was the early, was the head coach when they started recruiting me, but it was really Dan Monson, Mark Few, Billy Greer that reached out to me a few times in high school. Um, but they were following and recruiting high school teammate of mine, Zach Gord. They were also recruiting uh, very, really hard AAU teammates of mine, Casey Calvary. And then the year before that, Richie Fromm. So, I knew the staff really well. They followed all our games. Um, I was kind of on that path where, you know, Gonzaga wasn't Gonzaga at the time. And so I probably was going to go to a Pac-10, Pac-12 school now at the time. Um, so my my final couple couple schools were some Pac-12 sprinkled in with, with two WCCs, one being University of Portland because it was 15 minutes from my house, the other being Pepperdine because uh, who wouldn't want to live in Southern California? And I had a great connection, you know, with uh, Randy Bennett, uh, the assistant at the time under Lorenzo Romar, who was the coach, I had a great connection with both of those guys. So I could have seen it working for me down there. But, you know, that being said, it worked out perfectly well. I'm glad I didn't go to GU right out of the, the gates. Um, oddly enough, uh, you know, I said I didn't want to go to go to a place like that where it was cold and snowy all the time. And this is, again, 16, 17-year-olds making a decision with those kind of implications online. Lo and behold, I go to UW in Seattle where it rains all the time. So pick your poison, I guess, right? So what I'm hearing you say is Gonzaga wasn't Gonzaga until you showed up and then everything else has been gravy for the school since you transferred in. No, you're putting words in my mouth now. Gonzaga wasn't Gonzaga until... I know, I'm being an agitator. I from Casey Calvary, which were two AAU teammates of mine. Zach Gorba, high school teammate, was a roommate. And then Matt Santangelo, the point guard, was was a guy from the Portland area where I grew up from uh, that, that I knew a little bit, but I had followed his career and 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 I wanted to be a part of something special, which those guys were, were the foundational building blocks. You talk about when you were going through the recruiting process, thinking the weather was a part of it, size of a part of location. Every kid has like a list of stuff. This is what's the most important. This is what's the second most important. So we had a viewer write in wanting to know in your thoughts. Is NIL now just the thing? Is that the number one thing that everyone's looking at, or is it climbing up the board, or, or, or what are we what are we talking about here? Unfortunately, it's becoming the number one priority list on a lot of players' questions for the coaches. I mean, I've I talk to college coaches each week about a number of different things, and some of them have said within three four minutes of a conversation, the first time they've talked to a kid, "What can you offer me in NIL?" Well. Remember, coaches can't directly offer anything. It's the collectives that have to do it. And the coaches essentially have to, you know, toe the line about, hey, well, the collective has done these kind of things. The collective then kind of thinks we think we can get you to this 
target number, but nothing's nothing is true uh, in regards to what that number is going to be. Because remember, we had the conversation with Matt Santangelo's ex collective a couple weeks ago. There has to be a service provided, an appearance, a you know, pro, uh, doing a commercial. It, there has to be uh, something of value trading hands uh, in in the scenario. And many times you can't get that dialed in until you're on campus or you're there. Um, so it's a really weird and tricky thing that that schools and players and coaches and athletic departments, they're still working through all the details. But I will say this. If a player makes a decision to go to a school simply based on NIL, unless it's life-changing money and i'm talking about there's very few of those right i think maybe the 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 cavender twins the on the women's basketball side that went from fresno state to miami that was unbelievable money that's one thing but when you're talking about a player that's good enough that has aspirations to play at the next level if you're going to make a decision to go somewhere for fifty thousand or seventy thousand dollars but limit your ability to play in a good program develop as a player, be put in a position where you're going to get true evaluation from NBA front offices, you're cutting your opportunity to make long-term money down the road because it, it's got to be about fit first, in my opinion. It's got to be about fit first, and then all of the other things kind of work around that fit. Um, but too many times right now, NIL is that focal point, unfortunately, for too many kids and players and parents. Let's move out of the realm of talking hard facts and go into just rampant speculation. One of our viewers wants to know how far is Gonzaga going next year? <laughs> well, we all know fans are championship or bust now, unfortunately, these days. And, you know, we've been spoiled to have championship final four level teams um, over the last, you know, eight years. Last year's team was uh, saddled with unbelievably high expectations going into the season. And then they, you know, hit a speed bump, people started complaining, and then they, they they continued to improve, stay with it, made an Elite Eight run. I mean, that was a heck of a, a performance from that team down the stretch of the season. You know, with the pieces that they have now, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be considered a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. Um, as we all know, so much of it's about matchups, so much about uh, health. Is Do you have a particular player that's playing unbelievably well at that time? Um, so, you know, trust me, good team, good roster is being put together. At some point, Gonzaga will break through. I'm not to the point where I'm going to say this is the year. Nor do I think any analyst should be <laughs> in the middle of May. Especially in May, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You talk about, though, the specific players. we got a couple questions asking us about Caden Perry. He struggled with injury his entire sophomore year. So, like. Where is he at in the recovery, rehab, getting back on the court process? Is he going to be a part of this team that contributes next year? That's a good question. I mean, uh, the viewers are I, writing these in, Dan. They're nailing it. You know, I, I I talked with guys on the staff all the time, and we kind of talk occasionally about different players. And and I'm not at liberty to say anything in depth uh, about Caden uh, as far as where he's at in his rehab. But I will say this: if he gets healthy and he gets right. He's got a he's got a role on the team next year. That's for sure. Um, you know, with his size, with his motor, with his athleticism, 
Um, I, I think he's got a chance to impact games. Now, uh, the skill part portion is definitely still got to get worked on. The getting in shape part has to get worked on. But he's got some tools that that you you don't develop. They're just there. And so I think he could be a big piece. Um, and hopefully we'll find out in the near future uh, what, what his future really is looking like for this upcoming season. If I had to nail you down, and I know you said you can't divulge insider information, it's health and all that. We're not trying to speculate too rampantly about the health of a 20-year-old, but would you at least say that you're optimistic for his contributions next year if you were a Gonzaga fan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to be 100%. Uh, That's all we need is you want to be optimistic and rampant speculation. If he's healthy... He helps this basketball team, you know, so that that's really where it comes down to. Um, he's got a skill set that um, is different than Ben Gregg's. If he's got a skill set that's different than Graham E.K.'s. A season ago, he had a skill set that was different than Efton Reed's. So I think there is a place for him to help this team without a doubt if he's healthy. Fair enough, Dan. Thank you very much, folks. Get a hold of Dan. Get a hold of Gonzaga Nation. Hit us up with your questions so you can pick Dan's brain about everything. Make sure you subscribe, like, and follow Gonzaga Nation wherever you get your podcasts. Trying to come to you from every possible medium. We'll talk to you guys soon.